Everyone, welcome back to Pin the Q Podcast. We are here in Yonkers for a special episode of FDNY, The Warriors. So before we go any further, sir, tell everybody who you are. My name is John Fanukin. I retired a lieutenant from the New York City Fire Department, and I served in some of the best companies ever, I might have to say. Uh, I started as a probie in uh, Engine 18 as a replacement for one of the men that was killed on the 23rd Street fire. But after a couple of months, they sent me out to uh, Brownsville on a detail, which was very fortunate for me because that place was burning to the ground at the time. And I gained a lot of experience there. And it gave me the inspiration to put a transfer into a busy company up in the South Bronx because I lived in the Bronx. So they sent me to Engine 85, a special, special company. And we were into the uh, big house, as they called it, uh, La Casa Grande. There was Engine 85, Engine 82, and Ladder 31, which uh, were the busiest companies at the time. Uh, well, actually, Brooklyn had very busy companies also. Uh, and uh, and from there I uh, what can I tell you it was uh, always a learning experience because there were so many fires. As a matter of fact, my first n- t- night tour started off with a murder. No kidding. Uh, yes, no. yes, and I was just a young guy. Like, where the hell does this come from? You know. Right. And uh, I was watching the people uh, there uh, where this murder took place. It was at a party, a New Year's Eve party. And the body was laying right outside the apartment door. And nobody seemed to give a damn. And that was the start of my emotional background of working down there. If people didn't give a damn, why the hell should I give a damn? I did give a damn about kids and that stuff, don't get me wrong. And of course, we, uh, we, whenever there was a, a situation where a life was in danger, we did our utmost to save that life. And we saved many a life through the use of the hose, getting the fire knocked down so we could get to the people who were trapped. Uh, and it was just one hell of a time. And that went on for years. Uh, you'd have a, uh, a, like a 1075 is what was the uh, initial response to a working fire. Right, right. And you would uh, pull in, uh, we would say, be first due, 82 inch and be second due, or vice versa. Ladder 3 one would come in at the first due truck and... We, uh, what can I tell you? We fought the fires, and it was great. We were all young guys, and we loved it. Uh, you know, it sounds crazy, but at the same time, there was a lot of misery for the poor souls who, whose possessions were being destroyed, whose uh, housing, homes were being destroyed. Uh, and I would add that uh, upwards to 500,000 people were burned out of wow. the South Bronx during this period, and the period I'm talking about is from 19, late, mid-1967 uh, to, uh, my, uh, my experience there ended in the uh, middle of uh, 76, 1976, and uh, <laughs> all of the occupied buildings were just about gone then, and uh, uh, and this is all arson? Uh, oh, I'm glad you mentioned arson. Uh, it, it's, yes, it was arson. Arson by the landlords. They would hire people to torch the buildings. And they, uh, as time went by, they developed the perfect techniques for the total destruction. Uh, some of the landlords had multiple policies on their properties. And the properties down there in the South Bronx were, did not have much value. And they wanted to get rid of it for redevelopment and all that. So they would set these fires. And now I'd like to talk about like the H-type building. There'd probably be about 40, 50 families in there. 
And the best way to destroy that building and get the biggest claim would be to have multiple fires on the top floor so the fire would spread across the cockloft, which was an open space right. that was right. right across the top of the building. And once you had that, then you had multiple water lines up there operating and all the water coming down, destroying floor after floor after floor. And that was a big payday for a lot of these uh, landlords. And, um, and of course, there was the accidental fire, which was so hard to explain because you don't see a person burning themselves house. There was a lot of row housing down there. Uh, these are attached to a semi-attached, separated by uh, maybe 10 feet, and many were attached. Uh, three-story wood frame buildings and when they went they went and they just took off and right down the block all the buildings would be involved and that was very painful because there now you had genuine families that were not uh, torching their buildings the accidental fires and they lost everything right so what was it like for you in the firehouse camaraderie wise with your with your brothers in the firehouse, what was it like? Um, well, the busier the firehouse, which my, my experience with there was the busy firehouse, the camaraderie was absolutely great. Right. Like uh, we do anything for each other, and we always covered each other's uh, butt. Um, if, what can I say? <laughs> it was just great. What was it like for you being a lieutenant in charge of your men? This was a lieutenant. I was 13 years on the job, but I became a lieutenant. Uh, I, what was it like for me? I, I was a, an easygoing guy because I was basing my uh, attitude as a lieutenant on my experience as a fireman. Right. And I knew you didn't have to tell good firefighters what to do because they knew what to do. I just had to, uh, you know, Motivate them. And Motivate and, and uh, be the director. Okay, you know, like right. we're going in here and and uh, just, I don't know how to explain that really. I just went in, we went in as a company and you would uh, you go in, they had the, the nozzle man and you would go in first and then you have the guys backing you up and you just keep moving in until the fire is out. Uh, but I must explain that it was brutal getting in there, the heat was so intense. As soon as you opened that lineup, the steam came back and that was hot, 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 extremely hot. But we were the caliber of a guy that would stay there. And if you couldn't handle it, the next guy would grab that nozzle and he would uh, make sure it kept moving. And that's the way it was. And then of course, the fire was, in other apartments. There's times that we went from one apartment to a second apartment. But times we went from one floor to the second floor fighting fires. I mean, there was no limitation when you were working in the South Bronx. And like there were vacant buildings, we fought. Uh, there could be three, four floors of fire going. And you were used until the fire was out. And, and I don't mean our company alone, there was other companies there, but you were there for the duration. And sometimes you were there for uh, hours, hours, multiple hours, uh, especially with taxpayer buildings, which were the usually one-story row, row stores, uh, and they could burn for hours, and you'd be there. And in the early days, before the job started to uh, well, started to experience this heavy, heavy fire duty, they didn't really worry about giving you a break. Right. But as time went by, they realized that these guys got to be relieved. Uh, yeah. so, so they started to uh, have a little more compassion for the men. Uh, and, and they'd call in uh, other companies to uh, replace you for a while, uh, and, and that would give you... Uh, a chance to freshen up a little bit, should I say? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, 
back in those days, I think it's important for our viewers to understand because we have a lot of younger firefighters watching the show. And uh, when you talk about the days in the, the warrior days, these are iron men. It's not like today, right? So these, these guys were – not everybody was wearing a pack. No. Uh, air bottle. Oh, no. As a matter of fact, uh, we were very competitive. Uh, we went in there. The objective of the nozzle man was to put that fire out by himself, no matter how many rooms, four rooms, five rooms. And quite often we did that. And uh, you didn't get no uh, relief. You didn't want no relief. And you went in, and, and it was hot. It was smoky. It was smoke. The smoke's... Smoke kill killed many people. Sure, but uh, we, uh, as experienced firefighters, you learn how to deal with the smoke and, and the heat. The heat was always intense. Many a time, like uh, you'd see uh, from the street, you would see the a head almost smashed through the window, the helmet, and a guy lunge out there just to get some air. Right, you know it was. Uh, and these these were iron firemen. They were good. The equipment uh, we didn't have the protective equipment that they have today, which is uh, fortunate for today. Uh, but uh, it was uh, it was tough. It was exciting, and like I said, we enjoyed it. Uh, we used to compete to be the first. Uh, well, depending on the company. Who had the nozzle? It could be the first guy in. Uh, I remember one guy used to come in three, four, a single guy, three right. or four hours earlier, just so he'd be the nozzle man. So we say, hey, wait a minute, this has got to stop. Because three or four hours early into the tour? Uh, yes, 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 yes. Wow. Uh, he didn't start working then, but he was number one. Right. And then uh, we would uh, we we got that resolved where we could use the. Uh, the senior man, right? The, seniority uh, list, yeah. Uh, but uh, but not always. Like we we had a system like where we worked. Right. Everybody wanted to be on the. Not everybody. A lot of guys wanted to be on the nozzle. So then you started rotating. Right. And uh, and that was one of your jobs as a lieutenant, right? To make sure that that oh yeah that yeah. got taken care uh, of. That's true too. As, right. as a lieutenant, I, most of my firefighting. Well, the truth is. Uh, uh, by the time I got promoted, uh, all the burning, the South Bronx was gone. Right. There was nothing there to burn but old frames and uh, vacant buildings, what was left of them. And uh, <laughs> What was it like for you to, to you know, go to the firehouse at the beginning of your tour, try to motivate your men? Get everybody situated, and then uh, you, know, you were just going yeah. run to run to run to run. Yeah, so you you just went in there like everybody showed up. Uh, right. They all knew their job, and uh, I didn't have to go around saying you do this and you got to do that. No, these guys knew their right, job. Right, right. And uh, we you'd get a run for a fire. We'd pull up. We all knew we had to stretch that hose, get it going. And but when you had you had calls, I mean, you, you, pretty much every time the bell rang, there was a job. It wasn't. You were going to work, right? It wasn't just... Well, no, 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 no. That's... It depends on when. Over the, we're talking about a period of about 12 or 13 years here. Right. Uh, you know, there was a time when, uh, if a battle came in, five companies responded automatically. Five? Five. And uh, a lot of times there were false alarms. Okay. So uh, the... And these are all pull stations, right? Pulse, the yes, pull stations? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and what did you find? Typically, it was kids, kids pulling the pull box, or was it? Uh, well, yeah, yeah, well, you don't see who's doing it, right? You know, so, and when you when you talk about false alarms, I have to bring out the point that uh, my mentor, who was Michael Carr, uh, we had a run. '85 uh, got a call. That turned out to be a false alarm, and uh, he was on the side of the rig putting his gear on, and uh, he fell off, and his helmet was off, and he hit a cobblestone with his head and split it open, and he was dead. Wow. And that was my first experience, and like I said, that was a, I was a young guy. He was, a, he was my mentor. 
I cried like a baby over this guy, which I've never done since. God, I don't know why. Not even with family. But no kidding. Oh yeah. But this here is a terrible blow to see this Michael Carr. God bless him. And that was in 1969, and we still think about him. No kidding. We never forget wow. this guy. He was good people, and uh, so that's. And there were kids that pulled that false alarm. At the end of the day, there was an investigation, and they found that it was kids. And what do you do? Nothing happens. Right, the kids. Hope, right. Right. Hopefully, the city took it's, care of the family. You know. It's just a shame that uh, you know someone lost their life over something uh, stupid. Yes. You know? Yes. Yes. And and that's what what's amazing about fire being a firefighter, you know, that someone could lose their life in such a crazy way like that. Yeah. When you're going into burning buildings, you survive, yes. but then you fall, you, you you lose your life falling off a rig. You know, it's uh, crazy. you know, you're making me think of some real situations here in the vacant buildings. As time went by, when we started there, all these buildings were occupied, occupied. Right. Remember that. Right. And, uh, and the process, as we went on, they started to burn out the buildings and they were vacant. And then the junkies were stripping everything, right. including the stairs, the steps and all the stuff. And, of course, they sell it to the junkyards to uh, pay for their drugs, their habits, whatever. And uh, we had to go in there, like you might have a fire on the third floor, and it's nighttime and it's pitch black and it's all smoke. You have no idea there's no floor. There's no floor, no, no floor, there's no stairs. How right. do you get up there? Right. And we used to have to, like, uh, like, like monkeys, use the railings, uh, the little supports on the side where the uh, slab of steps would have been right. prior right. to. And really dangerous wow. stuff. And a lot of guys got hurt doing that. And we had to do that uh, time after time. And uh, But miraculously, there was less death and less injuries. And we, I attribute that to the fact that we had so many fires that we learned instinctively where not to be when you should not be there. Especially because you didn't have the equipment that they have today. Yes, yes. God bless the guys today. They deserve to be protected because back then, uh, we were blessed. We were blessed. We're very lucky. Uh, There should have been a lot more guys killed in that job, especially that worked in these areas. But they knew where not to be for the most part. And And if they were young guys, they had a senior guy with them. What, what was your most notable experience in the FDNY? My most notable, uh, well, one thing I go back to, uh, <laughs> this was terrible. We were out going to the store to get supper, and uh, we looked down the block, and you see flames blowing out of a couple of windows in, a, say, a third-floor apartment, something like that. And... Uh, we took it in right away, and we called in, you know, an all-hands, uh, 1075 uh, in the location. And we went up there, and uh, uh, fire was going good. First of all, you don't have that kind of a fire at 6 o'clock in the evening, roaring inferno, unless it's arson. And this was an apartment building. So we go up the stairs, working our way up there with the hose line, and there's a man that comes out of that apartment yelling, my dog is in there, my dog is in there, you know, like, and we, we chased him out of the way so we could do our job. And when we got in there, we found an infant burned to a crisp, his literally burned, it was black charred, all you saw in his arms was his fingers, the bones, and so on. And in the bed nearby was the grandmother, we believe it was, the grandmother of the child, and she too was roasted. And that was another early experience for me, which I never forgot, uh, this little child. And, and, and we had to remove it with a body bag. Right. Or with the body bag. Uh, and... That too was like no big deal. You just put the 
remains into the right. body bag. And I, I've, I've personally done that myself, so yeah. I, I can relate to, to what you're saying. It's, yes. yeah. you know, yeah. yeah. And it's uh, an interesting, uh, it's it, interesting. You get, uh, you get a little cold. Right. I, but I, uh, well, you, you lost faith in the people. Right. You know, like if they didn't care, why should you care? And of course, that was the wrong attitude because most sure. most of the people and they were family people, and they were good people, but that's not what we saw. We saw the the negative element in there, right? And right. that's how you develop your attitudes. But they were good people, many good family people. One thing I'd like to mention is that never in it was I was probably six, seven years on the fire department before somebody said thank you. Uh, in the down where we worked in the uh, whatever you want to call it, South Bronx, uh, we had many fires and nobody ever said thank you for putting the fire out. And then we went out on a, what they call an interchange where we were getting a break. We went out to Queens and they had a fire in a building. <laughs> we came down and they had a bar set up for us and they were saying thank you of course we did not stop at the bar that was not our prerogative and uh, they said thank you thank you i said check this out yes yeah. people are saying thank you <laughs> it's a good feeling well what, what it was but right. it, very rare very rare why god only knows but of course they were still in a state of shock themselves you know so when when you retired from the fdny tell me what that was like for you to retire well emotionally Emotionally, uh, it's, right after I got out, there was a fellow uh, up in uh, a neighboring company, 58 truck, I think it was, uh, that almost cut off his leg uh, with the partner saw. Wow. So I said, oh, I did the right thing, I'm out. I, 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 I went out with injuries myself, my knees, which both of them have been replaced. That's from crawling uh, down those hallways, right? Everything. And, sure. And, going through holes that yeah. you didn't see. and uh, But where was I at? It was about your retirement. About the retirement, yeah. yeah. What it was like to retire. Oh, oh yeah. I, I was also an activist involved in the cause, so this gave me more time to put into this cause. So it wasn't all that bad. But the, after the fellow almost losing his leg, right? I said, that's no good. I'm getting out in good shape. And when you retired, where were you? What, what house were you on? 46 engine. 46 engine. That's uh, the Cross Bronx Express. Uh, I forget the uh, exact name, but it was a good house. Big, good bunch of men. And 46, 27 truck was in there. What year was yeah. that? They retired. They retired. I retired in uh, 87. 87. 87. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> yep. And then tell everybody about your books. You write your well, author. yes, yes, yes. I wrote several books about this. Uh, as a matter of fact, I wrote uh, a number of books. When the Bronx Burned, a very good book. Uh, I put a personal story in there, a little, uh, a bit of a love story in there, which, it, which I was advised to do. But the story, the book itself, is about what I just spoke to you about, right, right. what went on, the fires and the authentic uh, situations that occurred. Then I wrote a uh, nonfiction, The Usual, and it's, what can I tell you, it's about what it was really like, you know, what you felt. You got on the fire floor, I mean, you're greeted uh, by flame or down to the floor and you can't see where you go in the smoke to this to that and uh, it really brings out what a firefighter went through uh, and then I well I, other ones uh, that's the usual there's another one called uh, um, oh god uh, the ghost of Christmas past that's actually a more a police story about uh, the killing, uh, the murder of someone in 77 and the cops, uh, f a fireman fr uh, who was a friend of mine, the cops, they uh, 
tracked this, the murderer down in seven, seven years, eight years later. Uh, but uh, there's fire contact in here uh, with the, between the cops and, uh, and uh, the firefighters. So firefighter was murdered? No, 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 uh -oh. no. It was just uh, an honor student. Oh, uh, I got you. Okay. A young black fella who was an honor student up in uh, Fordham. Uh, not a, he was a graduate. Uh, he was uh, like a a model student. Uh, he was helping kids from his community, helping them get them into college and all that. He was doing a wonderful job, and. <laughs> And just dragging me into another area. These uh, guys from up in the uh, the North Bronx killed him because they wanted to kill a dirtbag, and they went out New Year's Eve drinking. Saw this guy, shot him, killed him, and that was the end of it. it disappeared. No big deal. Uh, no big deal. The police department said all kinds of changes going on. They were never able to stay on top of the case until these two, three cops, one was a black officer and two were white uh, officers, they decided that on their own time, was that they were, uh, what do you call it, uh, they had to do with theft, not with uh, homicides. But on their own time, they went out looking for this, and it took them several years. But they found the good, guy. Good, good. They, they got him. Good. Uh, and then in my other book, uh, there's another one there. It's a little difficult to think right at this time. Um. <laughs> it's okay. You you could just tell me later, and I'll put I'll I'll put them on there for yeah, you. So yeah, all, yeah. all five. You have five books. Yes. Yeah. So I'll make sure all five are. Okay. On here, on here. So when people watch this, they'll see all five of your books. All right, good. Because it's important for people to, to see yeah. what you did. Well, it is. Uh, you know, understanding, uh, like, my uh, brother-in-law was from uh, Mississippi, and he moved up here. He got married to my, my wife's sister, and they wound up living in the Bronx. And he used to hear me talking about the fires, and he said, what the hell is he talking about? He says, why don't you just put water on the fire and put it out? He had no concept whatsoever of what firefighting was all about. Right. And that's why like stories like this and books for readers, read these books. Absolutely. And know who you're dealing with, right. know, know what people go through, you know? And, and not only that, but they're ex exciting. People like excitement, well, there's excitement in these these books also absolutely well I, I'll let you go but I just want to thank you for for giving me some of your time well thank you very much for the opportunity uh, to tell the public about what the New York City Fire Department plus other fire departments what they go through right. and what they went through back in those days uh, and I'd like to bring out one more point of course the city refused to give us fire marshals during this time. They waited till all of this, these properties were burned out. All the insurance policies were paid off. All of the so-and-sos got their money. And finally, when that happened, that was like after eight and nine years, then they brought in the fire marshals, which were not really needed at that time because everything was gone. And uh, the landlords, the politicians, the news media, uh, nobody cared. Nobody cared as long as it did not come out of those areas, the fires. And they did start to care when they started moving to the West Bronx, the North Bronx, the South Bronx, as you call it was taken over the Bronx. And that's when they said, whoa, we got to do something about this, you know, so, okay. All right, here you have it. You're, thank you very much, I appreciate your time. It's God, my, God bless my you. My pleasure and thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. So, uh, I'm John Hickey, okay. 85 engine at the time. And uh, I'm Tom DeRosa, uh, who was also an 85 engine at the time. Okay. Yeah, so just speak right into the microphone, and uh, why don't you guys tell me your story? Okay. Um, 
Tommy, we, we were still in the we were still on Interville Avenue. The engine with the eighty five. We're still uh, yeah, we're still caught on Interville. We're still caught on. We were still caught on Interville Avenue with the big uh, house with uh, eighty two and thirty one. There was a vacant school about two blocks, two three blocks, blocks away, right. and uh, we pulled up. There was a little fire. Didn't look like it was much on the top floor. And they started to bring up a booster line, and all of a sudden, it started to get... Yeah, it, uh, it was diesel that uh, they had uh, planted on the floors to where it uh, burns at a higher temperature. So when the guys got in there, the temperature got hot enough for that diesel to uh, uh, you know, ignite. And uh, that's how they got trapped in that room. And then they had to uh, work their way over to the window where we were in a bucket bringing up a, I believe it was an inch and a three-quarter uh, hose. Yeah. And then uh, when they charged the hose for us, it got kind of all wrapped up in the, in the bucket, right? And, yeah, And, and that's when uh, I tried to rip off Tommy's coat. I burnt both my hands. And then uh, John took over and you grabbed the nods, knob and wound up putting the fire out on Well, I think, I think what happened, we ended up going back up because we took them Yeah, I, I wound up like, uh, I wound up getting stuck down there because yeah. after I burnt my hands, they told me, you can't go back up. And then that's when you went back up. Uh, with Pilsick. Uh, with Pilsick, right. Pilsick right. yeah. jumped out too. And he wound up jumping out. The, the three of them went up, the way I remember it. I'm just going to go over it the way I remember it. Zangle another guy from 85, right. and Bilsick right. went up because they were going to stretch it, boost the line. And then it started, they were in the in the classroom, right. and the fire kind of all of a sudden kind of got out of control right. and went up one, through one of those closets, those wooden closets in the right. old school, and ignited the other. And they were trapped before and I wasn't up in the building, but I understand they tried to breach the wall, but it was an old school and they had a, a brick wall and they couldn't get through. In the meantime, Tommy and I were in the street with Lieutenant Bilsick and they sent the bucket up from the street. And I, I remember there was a, there was a, there was a, Tommy and I were in the bucket, but there was a, Bilsuk and Zangle were in the, and Tommy, uh, Tommy uh, uh, Koenig was Tom in the building. We went up with the bucket, and there was a, a light pole in the way, and, right. and we would, they were diddling around, and they couldn't get, finally they just, Bilsuk popped up in a window, and who was on the, yeah. who was on the, uh, the doing that took over the area? Somebody was running the bucket. Oh. Through. Who the uh, was that? Was Somebody from 31. Name. Yeah, know. it was in 31. Um, uh, Horton? Norton? 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 Norton, no. I don't remember. Uh, maybe it'll come. Uh, but they took over. They just winged over and knocked the thing over because we were coming up. And when Bilsa came up, he says, get that bucket up here. <laughs> I remember him saying yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and they started moving. And then he jumped out into the bucket. Everybody came into the bucket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all on fire. So, uh, actually, Bilsick uh, broke his ankle. He broke his ankle. He and, went back up. Then we went back up with me. Right. He insisted. And, I wasn't and, so. And, I wasn't really in on that. And his ankle, I think, wound up breaking his ankle. And, but Andy also was burnt. What thirty percent of his. Uh, I remember Andy's ankle saying in the hospital later. He said, "And we're going, to, yeah." He said in the hospital later, he said, he popped up a couple of times. He was between like the, he was in like a little cove by the window there. And he says he popped up a couple of times. Yeah. And he says, I popped up. I saw the, I saw him with Donnie with the towel out. He said, he said, the next time I came up, he said, I was gone. He said, I yeah. was going. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, says, yeah. all I was saying was, don't let me hit that fence. They had those fences oh, around yeah, the school. The, oh, yeah. With yeah. the, with, spikes, with the spikes. spikes, he says. Yeah. Please, God, don't let me hit yeah, that fence. Yeah, yeah. He says, I'm going. But he went and he hit the bucket. He was going to jump. Uh, he was we going anyway. Yeah, he was going. We were good maybe three, yeah. four feet out from the building. Oh. And maybe 15 feet yeah, below. Yeah, 10, 15 feet below. And he had below. to jump into They all were, yeah, right, and they were moving him around. 
who the hell? I can't. How, how many people were in the bucket at the time? Oh, well, at no. the end, it was five of us. I no got kidding. Five of yeah. us. So everybody jumped into the bucket to, to say that. Freedom. Well, uh, we, wow. uh, uh, I was in the bucket bringing up the line. We you were, were just going to bring up the we line. Just we bring bring up right. the line. We weren't going to use a towel at it. We were just going to bring right. up the line. Right. And they came over to the window to wait for us to get the line. Right. Did you guys know these, tra- these guys were trapped? Oh, yeah. Well, oh, we, well, we didn't know initially, but then they, they would... Before we got up there, we, we knew they were, they were having a problem. Okay. Right? Yeah. yeah. Wow, and, that's, uh, that's an incredible story. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. And everything happened within, you know, really. Okay, let's minutes. see. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you guys telling me the story. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. All right, so w- welcome to the show. If you could just tell us who you are and where you're from. Uh, my name is uh, Henry Bay, B-E-Y, and... Uh, I was originally from Engine 85, where I did 18 years in the South Bronx. Uh, from there, I went to uh, City Island 53 truck. And from there, I went to Queens, a 314 engine. And I retired in 1969. Oh, great. And you, sir? Uh, hi, my name is John Kenny. Uh, I was appointed to Squad Company 6 on the west side of Manhattan. <coughs> Pardon me. West 83rd Street, to be specific. And uh, we were lifted, the entire company, to the South Bronx back in 1972. And uh, I was then with Ladder Company 59, which was established in what they called the Tin House. It was a World War II Quonset hut at 169th Street and Boston Road. As time passed by, I switched from Ladder Company 59 to Engine Company 85 and stayed there for about 12 years. And then I transferred, when that house was closed down, I transferred down to Engine Company 28 on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, which was just as busy as 85, uh, because I was studying at the time. And uh, I retired in 1990. I was fortunate enough to make lieutenant. Oh, good for you, lieutenant. So, guys, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, Thank you. so basically what this show is about is, uh, my, my focus is about tradition, about culture and some of that uh, the culture harnessing some tradition fire service so uh i like to hear stories about back when right these important stories that these new firefighters need to need to hear and see so uh tell me tell me some of your experiences uh with the fdny well my uh the seed was planted in me when i was very young um i was brought up in queens and perhaps i would say maybe uh, kindergarten or first grade we visit the local firehouse um, that always was, um, I think, like I said, the seed was planted. Uh, later on in my uh, teen years, I became a, vol- a volunteer fireman, uh, Lawrence Feederhurst Fire Department, for eight years prior to becoming a New York City firefighter. I got on at age 27, and so I had some background as far as what it was. Um, but there's a distinct difference. And being with a company and with people that you work with uh, in areas of danger, great danger, not only to yourself, but to the public in general. There's a camaraderie that just binds you. It's um, very, di- not to say that we didn't have disputes, we did, but, but when the, um, the game had to be played, we were there, you know, and that made it, a, to, to me, um, most rewarding. Ex- explain to our viewers what the firehouse kitchen meant to you. Well, the firehouse kitchen was sort of like the, the center of attraction. You know, everybody was in there, and um, of course, we would be cooking for the night meal if we were lucky to have it, you know, without running on, uh, going on and run. Um, but, you know, you'd hear about families and et cetera, and what the last fire was and how we could improve it. Um, you know, there was a, a lot of interreaction. Um, yeah, it was a lot of arms around each other. Hey, buddy, good to see you. Uh, change the tours, you know, have a good night, the whole thing, and eat together. I mean, it was, uh, you got to know family as well. You knew people's backgrounds. So, right. Yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a close-knit knit family. Now, before firefighting, would you, did you expect that type of camaraderie or, or what? Well, prior to that, I, I worked in a utility company where um, we were on groups of teams, you know. Okay. Um, as well as uh, two different utility companies, um, never had the camar- camaraderie of that. Until you got to the FDNY. Yeah. Oh, it's, 
That's why we gather all the time. I right. mean, and that's what this is all about today. Yeah, yeah. And, and what is this? Where are we? What is uh, this we're event? We're in Rory Dolan's. We're having a, um, a reunion, okay. which we have uh, uh, once a year now. You do this once a year? Yeah. That's yeah. great. We used to do it twice a year, but we, we, we're now doing it back to once a year. Great. And it's good to see all the old guys, the old Absolutely. warriors, you know? Yeah, the warriors, and that's exactly what this episode is about. Yeah, yeah. All right, so. great. What about you, sir? Um, I came on the uh, transit police in 1964, and in ni 1967, I transferred over from the transit police to the fire department. And uh, I was, just, like I said before, I was assigned to Squad Company 6 on West 83rd Street. It's uh, Engine Company 74 now. And uh, we did routine fire work, and uh, uh, it was a, a rather busy company, all of the squad companies. There were nine of them at the time. They were rather busy. And, uh, and, and then we were moved to the Bronx. Squad 6 was closed down and became Ladder Company 59 in the Tin House in the Bronx. And when that happened, that was like something I never saw before in my life. I couldn't believe it. The amount of work that we were doing up there, the amount of running that we were doing up there, the amount of fires that we did on a daily basis. We were, we were doing like uh, somewhere between eight and 10,000 runs a year. Wow. If you add that that's up just on, out of the tin house. Yes. Wow. Each of the firehouses in the Bronx, in the South Bronx, were doing just about that much work on a daily basis. And this went on for years. And this is, you guys were the busiest firehouse in the world at the time, correct? Well, if not the busiest, we were up there uh, tied, for, tied for first or uh, we were in second place for sure. Right. Um, you can check on that uh, annually in the fire department's WMYF magazine. They post the top 25 engine, com engine companies, then ladder companies and rescue companies, battalions, all of it. They, they, they post the busiest for every given year. And we always finished in the top 25. So uh, before you said you were in transit police, what, what got you into the fire department? How, how did you make that switch? Um, I guess... All my life, I would rather have been, when I was a child, I'm talking about, I would rather have been a fireman than, than anything else, I guess. You know? Right, because he had said the same thing when he was a child. He remembers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you know. And it seemed for me. Because I used to I used to see the uh, fire trucks at a fire in the neighborhood that I lived in, and, and uh, I always, uh, uh, what kid, what little boy doesn't have a lot of admiration for a fireman? Sure. And that's, I guess, sure. where it came from. Right. So you happy you made that switch? Oh, sure I am. <laughs> <laughs> so... What was it like being uh, being a fireman in those days when it was so busy? When I mean, was there times that it was just so frustrating to get to get your head above water, or did you enjoy well, it all? Well, there's great books out on the subject. There's uh, uh, lots of things that you can view on a computer about the uh, the what they call the war years. The war years in compare certain neighborhoods in New York City that involved Bedford Stuyvesant in Brooklyn and Brownsville and uh, uh, East New York and all of those neighborhoods in the in Brooklyn and the Lower East Side and Harlem and Manhattan, uh, the South Bronx, uh, of course, uh, South Jamaica. These were all very, very busy neighborhoods that were doing. Uh, and matter of fact, I remember reading in the newspaper that caused a big stir in New York City that there was a squad company in Brooklyn once that did 10,000 runs in one year, and that caused quite a, a stir in the, in the fire department. Back in them days. 10,000 runs is a lot of runs. I mean, 10,000 runs like is you, a lot of you'd, runs. You'd mentioned, before, um, you'd mentioned before about if you got a meal. So explain that to me. I'm sorry, if I got a... Uh, if you got oh, a meal, well, yeah. right? You cook and prepare, um, hopefully you get a meal. Yeah, we would cook, and naturally, I mean, we had... Uh, originally, I was... 85 was in Engine 82 quarters, you know. And uh, we had... Um, so that was a 31 truck, and then the tactical control unit would come at night, and... I mean, sometimes we'd have engines loaded up outside that take take up the uh, the heavy traffic, fire traffic. But uh, having a meal, you, you, that would be a, a blessing. So in it your never stops. in your experiences, what what has been your most rewardable, re, um, rewardable or notable experience for you for the FDNY? Is, is be, having been a member of, of such a great institution. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's got a history that's. Uh, no one could compare to it. Well, know, that's what's so great about today, being able to meet you guys and having to hear your stories yeah. and bringing that to, you know, to our viewers, they can hear that. I'm 76 years old, and I look back and I say I, I was blessed to be a New York City firefighter. I really was. 
Was there any one moment or one any one incident that you recall that um, impacted you? Well, there were quite a few, actually. I mean, you know, when, when you come upon uh, a DOA or whatever, right, you, know, right. you try to do your best. And um, a couple of incidents where children were lost. And it's uh, you can only do what's humanly possible. Right. You know? And it's uh, something that everybody shares. Uh, when there is a loss, it's, there's like a, an empty heart with everybody. Of course. Uh, right. So those things stick in your head. And, uh, and I think those are the things that bind us together. Sure. You know, to really make it happen. And, you know, the thing is, too, it's, it's the action and being part of it. You right. know, it's just getting out there and doing what you do. You know. what, what was Proby School for you like? What was it like for you? Well, I was there um, during the winter months, so that was um, you know, uh, pretty cold as far as the weather went, a lot of inclement weather we had. And um, uh, I, I found it to be very rewarding. Um, I already had some uh, background in construction, et cetera, uh, so, which is part of the things that they teach you there. Um, and I, like I said, I had eight years in the volunteer fire department, so I already have some insight on right. what it was to be all about. Um, but they put you through your paces. Right. They bring the best out of you. There's no getting away from it. I mean, you know, there's a difference. And, yeah, you just can't go in and feel that heat and say, hey, let me, it's getting warm and i got to go out. You know, right, right, right. You've you got to be there. You've got to be part of the team. And So, yeah. That so was, when you left Proby School and you got to your first assignment, which was what house? Uh, Engine 85. Engine 85. So when you got there, was it what you expected or was it a whole new world for you? Um, well, I wasn't very familiar with the area. Um, I knew there were a lot of fires going on, and I can remember coming over out of Proby School. Uh, we had a, another fellow with us, and um, uh, we dropped him off. It was in Astoria, and we came into his firehouse, and they came out, and they said, uh, uh, just a moment, fellas, you got to stand here. He went up, he got his orders, came down, and then we got in, and we were going over this overpass called Buckner Boulevard, and the sun was just kind of like setting. It was uh, still a haze in the air. And I looked over, and I saw all this smoke. And it truly reminded me of the old battleships during World War II, you know. And you see, I said, wow, look at this place. And um, we pulled down in front of the firehouse. I mean, I didn't even get a chance to get in. The, the, the rigs were all pulling out. They told me to wait. I had to wait for the officer to come back. Officer came back. We went upstairs. He gave me my orders, et cetera, et cetera. Next thing, a run comes in. He says, come on, you want to go on a run? Come on, go. I said, I'd love to go. Um, but I got these other fellas. They're going to take us back, you know. So it was it was really different. So it was, it was all hands on deck right from oh the boy. beginning. Oh, boy. Yeah, I'm telling great. you. Uh, rigs moving in and out and bells ringing. Uh, there was no such thing as uh, teleprinters or anything. Right. Uh, yeah, so it was chaos. But... Uh, it made your blood boil. Right, you know? right, absolutely. Yeah. And to this day, you still have those mem memories. Oh, yeah. yeah very yeah. vivid. Like I say, the greatest time of my life, greatest job I've ever had. And what about you, brother? Same thing applies to me. Right. Uh, the same comment, right? I was in the Army for three years, and uh, I thought that was uh, the greatest experience in my life up until then. And the same thing applied when I went on the fire department. The guys that I worked with in the, in the fire department was, was exactly the same as they were in, as the guys in the Army. No difference, and uh, it was like uh, I, I just couldn't get over it uh, uh, friendship-wise with the guys that were camaraderie. Uh, and and uh, uh, I don't know, they seemed like they were uh, a cut above the firemen, the guys that I worked with. Uh, right. It was just a, 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 an honor to work with them. What what did the, like I, like I asked him, what was a firehouse kitchen? What does that mean to you? The kitchen was, uh, the kitchen was where the TV was. So we, we uh, we waited there for the runs. Uh, we waited. We cooked our food in the kitchen. We we were fortunate in '85 engine. We had a pool table, so we we uh, played pool. And then, like I said, we were waiting for the runs to come in, waiting for the food to be prepared. And when the food was ready, we sat down to eat. But by God, we never got to eat a, uh, a full meal without without a run coming in, interrupting it, and uh, out the door we go. When I, when I ask questions like. Um you know, senior guys like yourself, and I ask guys about what that kitchen means to you. What, because we have a lot of these new firefighters that are watching my show, yeah. right? So explain to them what type of conversation happens at that kitchen yeah. table between you guys. Everything uh, uh, is talked about at the kitchen table. It's a, uh, it's like a what do you call it? Uh, 
an information center. Everything from what the Yankees and the Mets are doing to what the Rangers and the Islanders are doing to uh, 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 what was the latest uh, headlines in the newspapers. Uh, everything was discussed. Everything was talked about, especially the jobs from the night before and right. the jobs that you had earlier in that day. And uh, um, it was, a, what do you call it? A, in, in those days, were guys able to come to that table and say, hey, I'm having trouble at home or I'm having problems with this or that? That type of conversation happened yeah, back there, then? There, there was a lot of that to a certain extent. Uh, the kids in school and stuff like that. Some of the problems that they're having at home, there were money issues. It was like, uh, uh, you know... Uh, like all married um, married family men uh, right. talking uh, to, to a, a, a very good friend of them, and all of the guys in the firehouse, uh, uh, with very few exceptions, were very good friends. So, mm. it, it's fair to say that that was a trusted place to be. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You look. As a matter of fact, I'll go. I'll go, I'll go a little bit further and say you look forward to coming in. You look forward to uh, the talk in the kitchen, the conversation, the getting ready, the jobs. That was something else. I mean. Right. Uh, uh, pardon my French, but uh, you broke your ass for a living, and uh, sure. uh, uh, we all did the same thing. What was it like um, for you? Like I asked the same question. What was your most notable experience or most uh, impactful inf- incident for you um, for your career? Geez, it's hard to say. There were so many. I guess the times that I got hurt, and uh, um, or, or the, everybody gets hurt at a job. Everybody gets burned. Everybody gets. Right. Uh, not everybody but gets broken bones, but you know, uh, bad things happen. And uh, uh, my the most notable thing that happened to me was a, 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 fire, a particular fire that we went through. Uh, that was uh, arson. It was very bad. Gasoline was used. Uh, I had to be taken to the hospital from that job off the roof because uh, my lung collapsed, and uh, uh, that's. Uh, I thought I was having a heart attack, and I was taken to Bronx Lebanon Hospital, and I had to stay in the hospital for a week with a collapsed lung. So naturally, that fire sticks in my uh, in my mind. Right. Uh, the goings on at that fire, what happened at that fire, what caused that fire, and the results of that fire, that sticks in your mind. Have any of your brothers lost anybody uh, in the line of duty while you're working? No friends. Yes. Uh, I mean, sure. Yeah. They did. I had eighty down in eighty-two. Uh, a guy named Mike Carr. Mike Carr yeah. Uh, my car was on the uh, was on a rig. He fell off, right? right. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I heard that story. Yeah, it was terrible. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of bad injuries. A lot of our house. We had nobody uh, killed in the line of duty, but we had many, many guys hurt real bad yeah. and had to leave the job. Right. So when you when you had the opportunity to retire at FDNY, what was that like for you? Was it bittersweet? What was it? Well, it was certainly bittersweet with me. I mean, I would have stayed on longer. Um, but uh, earlier in my career, I had a, an injury to my eye. So um, uh, at one point, they were trying to put me out on medical, and um, I was ready to go to before what they call the 12-man board. So you're fighting to stay on. I fought to stay on. Good for you, yeah. brother. Yeah. And um, yeah. so even though uh, you know I, I just kind of stayed <coughs> low, and as we say, stay low and Excuse let it blow. Yeah, know? yeah, so, yeah. But. Um, uh, you know, that was it. I mean, uh, as far as that one, I forgot the question, actually. What, 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 just what it was like for you personally when you had to retire, was it? Oh, 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 I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that was a bittersweet because had I not had the injury, maybe, and I could have maybe advanced more, I, I probably would have stayed on, you know. But, uh, you missed the job? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so is that yeah. that's what's good about this? You get to meet yeah. the brothers and talk and, and have yeah. a good time? Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. yeah. We go reminisce, you know, aside from the kitchen being an area that we all would meet, obviously, you right. know, uh, it was a, an area for jokes. Right. I mean, every day there was all kinds of stuff going on. <laughs> what, what was the most, uh, what was the funniest thing that, that you can remember? Oh, boy, that would be hard to, to think of. Um, you know, I mean, there'd be a time you'd be sitting there and next thing a caucus would fly in and somebody <laughs> caught a, a deer and they just throw right. it in on the thing, butcher it up, we're going to eat. You know? <laughs> I mean, there, there were a lot of crazy things. Right, you know? right. But that's what kept everybody close. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I came in once with a vegetarian meal. They threw it up against the blackboard. <laughs> so, yeah. so it didn't go well. Yeah, but, you know, it was all jest, all fun, uh, part of breaking the ice. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what about you, brother? What what uh what funny story can you tell? Oh, uh, there were so many of them. I, mean, I, I recall one about somebody being mooned. 
Oh, that was uh, <laughs> that, that was in the making of a, mo a motion picture. <laughs> I, I don't want to be mentioning other people's names, but uh, uh, they were making a movie about uh, Fort Apache. And that was the name of the movie, Fort Apache, the Bronx. And uh, there was a mooning incident. And I, I don't want to mention names. <laughs> yeah, so somehow the moon came out. <laughs> yeah. So what, what about you? What, uh, what part of the job do you miss the most? Well, I was uh, down on the Lower East Side and 28 Engine. When, when, uh, they call it Alphabet City or Lower East Side. That, that's where 28 and, and 11 were. And uh, I was uh, studying for lieutenant when I went down here. Uh, because of the uh, makeup of the neighborhood and how busy it was and all of that. Right. And I was looking forward to being a lieutenant because I passed the test and was on the list. And and then uh, one night we got a bad job up on uh, Avenue D and 10th Street where they were making uh, crack cocaine and they were using ether. And the uh, it was a top floor fire. And uh, in, in the process of putting out the fire, the fire was moved from room... Uh, spreading as, as, as we were making advancing on it, and the fire got to the ether that they were using to make the uh, cocaine. Wow. And there was a, an explosion that took down part of the roof on us. And wow. I ran out of air and air and everything and uh, wound up having a heart attack. And uh, because of that heart attack, uh, I had to leave the job. And in time, I, was on, I made lieutenant, and after I made lieutenant, I had to leave the job. Was that... Obviously, very difficult for you to have yes. to go that way. Yes, because I was looking forward to right. at, at least another five or six years on the job. Wow. I'm glad to see you're still here, brother. Oh, I'm glad it worked yeah, thank out. You. Thank you. So, what year was that that you left? 90. 1990, 1990 right? Mm -hmm. So, you saw the job certainly starting to change in the 90s, right? Yes. The, they, the big change was they went to bunker gear. Right. And, uh, mm -hmm. um, um, uh, our helmets were made out of leather. Right. Theirs are made out of a composite now. There was yeah. a, uh, a lot of uh, uh, technological uh, well, you'll innovations. Well, you'll only only see leather on my helmet. Oh, that's right. that a leather one? Oh, yeah. It's hard to tell it's so oh, new. Oh, yeah. I, it looks so new. Yeah, yeah. I only wear leather. Only. Good yeah. for you. Yeah. A lot, a lot of the companies now, they, they make you wear the composite plastic yeah, stuff. But yeah. mm -hmm. We have this little saying, it's like leather forever. You yeah, wear leather yeah. forever. Yeah. See, that um, was, I, I forget, what's the name of the government organization that checks on all of that stuff? NFPA. Uh, they certified uh, that the uh, leather is just as good as the composite. Oh yeah, it's 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 been around for a long time, and it's yeah. it's you know they're expensive now. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. The going rate for those now, brand new, is like eight hundred dollars. Whoa, are wow. you kidding? Eight hundred dollars, yeah. So a lot of a lot of guys certainly money. can't afford it, but uh, yeah. yeah. Online, what they're looking for is the helmets that we wore back in the, the high, war high years. Eagle. No, the ones that we wore in the, during the war years that look like a lump of soot from the corner of hell, yeah. uh, they're going for $500 online. I, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Well, a lot went through them. <laughs> yeah. That's well, what they're looking for, the, the wear and tear on Burnt up ones, you know? So, again, like I told you, some of our viewers are, you know, new firefighters. What, what advice could you give them as far as uh, life, life lessons or firefighting lessons you can give these new guys and girls? To do what you were taught and uh, do what you're told and uh, try and be as, uh, as, as best you can. Uh, you're on a job to serve the public and be cognizant of that. Do your best. Right. What about you, yeah. sir? Well, uh, my opinion is uh, being a firefighter, you're not born that. It's a calling. And um, it's a serious job. It's a rewarding job. And what's important is the teamwork. You got to work as a team. You can't have separation. I mean, you know, there's always a little bit of competition, which is good. But uh, that's the, the perhaps the best thing I can say is get in with the group, get off phones, and you know, socialize a little bit, and let many become one. You work as a unit. That's probably the best advice. That's great advice. Do you guys have anything else before you take off? Any other things you'd like to discuss? think of no no um, um to my dying day i'll never forget the the place that i worked in in the bronx the uh, the tin house yeah. there was only two of them and uh, there was one in brooklyn and there was one in the south bronx and uh, um it was uh, the, what do you call it of a lifetime what, I, I don't know how to explain it job the, of a lifetime the what an opportunity of a lifetime an opportunity of a lifetime yeah. i'm so glad that i was there and, uh, we're here today at a reunion. We have these reunions.
two times a year here at Rory Dolan's, and uh, I get to see these old, uh, all of the guys that I worked with back in them days, and it's uh, it's uh, heart medicine, I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll sit there, we'll laugh and laugh and talk about all the time and all the stories, you know, so... Well, I, I, it was an honor for me to be invited here to be able to speak with you guys and, and hear some of these stories because, again, these are the stories that need to be heard. Yeah. And I think that's important that uh, you guys are willing to, to tell these stories because... Thanks for doing it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Nice, yeah, nice, I, nice of you to get, this, get, yeah. to, get, to, uh, get that out there. Absolutely. It's my, it's my honor and my pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. It was an honor talking with you. All right, brothers. Thanks again. Thank you, brother. Okay. All right, Thank take care. Welcome.